We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Well, it's so good to be with you on this Vision Sunday 2020. Um, I um, am really excited. My wife and I, we just got back from gathering with several different pastors, lead pastors of other churches and friends that we have um, grown in relationship with over the years. And one of the things that became very apparent through our time with them is that our church is in a very unique place, in a very unique season. There are many pastors and churches. In fact, uh, some of our good friends, uh, Bob and Kara Grimm, pastors Bob and Kara Grimm, and our friends at Life Church in Walla Walla, this is their first Sunday that they're reopening since the shutdown. And so it makes me very appreciative of being a Montanan, uh, being where we live, um, being able to do this together. And even saying that, we recognize that there are many of you even today that are joining us online, and we're grateful that you're able to do that and technology affords that. But there is, there's no way that you can replace this. There's just no way. And, um, and I feel for them. I was like, bro, I don't know how you've done it. I'd be going crazy by now because I love people. I love being with people. I believe that um, there are several things that God really awakened and stirred in me as a local pastor during that time where we were shut down for two months. In fact, a lot of what I'm going to share with you today is a direct result of, of, of operating out of this belief that any time that we go through something that is hard, a hard season, um, trials, tribulations in our life, that God wants to use those things and He is using those things and desires to use those things to get our attention, oftentimes. And when He gets our attention, it's time to lean into His still small voice and just say, so I, I posture myself and I've, I've challenged you as, as the pastor of this church to posture ourselves during the season in a place of not just trying to get through the season. I think that's our natural human tendency is just to ride it out, wait it out, you know, until we can get back to normal, if anybody even knows what that means anymore. And the reality is, is, is I don't know that any of us really want to get back to normal. I don't know that our normal was very healthy. And I think in particularly in the church, God used that time to wake up the church and to remind us of some uh, biblical foundations that maybe we had made church out to be something that maybe wasn't what God had planned and what God had in mind for it. And that sometimes that we can make church into an idol or a crutch and we can use it to come as an event that we come to and gather to once a week and let that be our spiritual fix, get me a little bit of Jesus to get me through the rest of the week, not realizing that the church is not an event, the church is not a building, the church is not a pastor, it's not a name, it's not the leaders, the church is you and the church is me. And unless the church begins to get awakened to the reality that we are called to be the light of the world, and that right now, there's a lot of darkness present. Can we all agree on that? There's a lot of darkness present in our world right now. And for me, as a leader in a local church, I had to take a step back and I had to look at it and say, God, help us. 
Where are we going wrong? Because obviously, our culture is having more of an impact on us as the church than we are in the world. And something is wrong. Something isn't right. And so what we did is we, um, we had an offsite with our leadership team and our elders. And we prayed and we asked God. We, we put everything that we do on a church, as a church on a whiteboard. And we looked at it. And then on another whiteboard, we went through the book of Acts and looked and we asked ourselves, what is God's heart for the church? What are the foundations that God built the church on, that the church thrived in? And can I tell you that comfort, convenience, weren't part of them. <laughs> they weren't. In fact, if you look at the book of Acts, the church and the church has always classically thrived in times of persecution, in times of trials, in, in times of change and hardship. And we put those things on one whiteboard and we looked at everything that we do as a church on another and we said, do these things align? And whatever didn't, we said, we need to remove it. We need to simplify. We need get, to get back to the roots of what the church was built on and founded on. And we began this process that started in the spring and it's been one of the most healthy, best things. And, and honestly, I stand before you when I just got back and we prayed for pastors and I a lot of pastors right now are struggling. Um, in fact, statistically, more pastors and church leaders are resigning, dropping out of the ministry at, at alarming rates. Um, the church is discouraged. It's wondering what the future holds. And many Christians, statistically, um, are walking away from their faith. In fact, when the whole lockdown came, um, many people continued to watch church online. But four out of ten... Christians, they didn't attend church online and they haven't come back to church. What does that say? That says to me as a church leader that many people are, have become disillusioned with what church is all about and with what God is doing in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of 2020, which has spun all of our heads around. Many people are in despair. They're disillusioned. They're discouraged and they're wondering what God is doing in the earth right now and what he has for us and what does the future of the church look like. And I can tell you that I stand before you today as a pastor that doesn't fall into one of those statistics, but as a pastor who is encouraged because of what I see God doing in the earth right now and what I see God doing in and through our church, and I've never had more hope for the future. In fact, there's something in me that says, now is our time to shine. Now is the time for the church to rise up. Now is the time, which is what the theme is that God gave me this year, because we, the church, Paul in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, he says, we, collectively, we're recognizing the church is being awakened, that the church is you and me. It's not this place. It's not this building. We have this hope in the middle of our world being shaken in the middle of people committing suicide in the middle of people of uncertainty of their future their financial life shaken their marriages shaken their personal lives shaken god is allowing the shaking because he wants to break off anything that is not of him and he wants to bring us back to the place where our heart says, nothing else. Nothing else but you. 
nothing else. And in the middle of all this shaking, Paul reminds us, we have this hope. It's an anchor for our soul. Steady, firm, secure. It reminds me this summer, one of my favorite things are, as a family that we do is we have a, we have a little speedboat, older one, that we have a good time with. and um, We love to go on a hot day, go out to the lake, and just drop an anchor and jump out of the boat and swim a little bit and hang out, listen to some music. It's refreshing. It's fun. It's something we love to do as a family. And um, on one of those days this summer, we went up to Foy's Lake and um, pulled the anchor out. And even pulling the anchor out, I looked at it, and it looked like this little tin anchor that was more for a little fishing boat than it was for a motorboat. But hey, we threw it out, and uh, it was a little bit windy day, and tried to get it kind of, you know, dug in, hooked so it would hold. We thought we had it, you know, in that place where it was going to hold the boat in the middle of some wind and waves and stuff like that. And so we jumped out, jumped into the water, we're swimming around, didn't even recognize the fact that about five minutes later, we're swimming and we look around, where's the boat? The boat is drifting away. And I'm like panic mode, like I got to get in the boat because it got deeper out. And so we get in the boat and what it made me realize is that um, oftentimes in, in years like 2020, that when we are shaken, that we realize where we've anchored our life into. And we realize how big our anchor really is. Do we have hope for our future? And I think this isn't a bad thing. So some of you, you're watching online, you're listening to this message here in person, and you could start to feel a little condemnation about that. You know, yeah, I put my hope in some wrong areas. But the reality is God loves you enough that he would allow you to be shaken in your life so that you wouldn't continue to live without him being the anchor for your soul. And yet, in the middle of everything that is being shaken in our world right now, Paul reminded the church back then, and I believe he's reminding us today. When I prayed and asked, I don't take this lightly. I don't just throw together a message to give to you week to week. I actually pray. I seek God. And every year on, on Vision Sunday, I ask God to give me your heart. Give me a, a verse. Give me a theme that you would have for our church in the coming year. And this year I kept hearing these words. We have this hope. In all of what's happening in the world right now, and in a couple of days, there is a great opportunity for our country to go in one of two directions, hard and fast. And in the middle of everything, in the middle of the fear of this virus that has plagued not only our nation, but the world, Paul reminds us, and I want to remind us as the church today, that we have this hope. It's not a wish. It's not something that we wish for. It's not a lottery ticket that we hope comes through. It's not, I hope I get a raise. I hope this goes well for me. No. He goes on to say, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, soul uh, secure, firm, steadfast. Who? Because it's locked into this person in the very next verse of Hebrews 6, 20. It says, where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf and become our high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, some of that language is speaking to Hebrews that understand that there was this most holy place that only the high priest could go in once a year. 
And what they would do is they would sacrifice, make atonement for their sins by a spotless lamb. And they would take, the high priest would take the blood and he would go into the holy place. And then he would enter into where they had this curtain separating the holy place from the most holy place where the very presence of God was. And the mercy seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant sat. And the high priest once a year would go in with the blood from that sacrificial lamb and would sprinkle the top of the mercy seat, uh, symbolizing the fact that your sins and my sins could be forgiven. But it only happened once a year for the sins of that year. And Paul is saying, we can have this hope that is firm and secure in all that is going on in life. Why? Because the person of Jesus Christ went in, went to the cross, and he sacrificed his own life for you and for me. And because of his shed blood on the cross, you and I can not only be free of sin for a year, once a year, but we can be free of sin once and for all. And that we can enter. Listen, when Jesus said it is finished, one of the most significant things that happened, besides the earth shaking and there was storms and lightning, there the curtain, the veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place tore in two. And it symbolized that because what Jesus did on the cross, no one, not you, not me, not the worst sinner that's locked up in prison right now on death row, is exempt from coming into the very presence of God and accepting what Jesus did on the cross for you and me. He paid the price for our freedom. And because of that, and only because of that, we have this hope. And so no matter what happens in this life, we can have this hope because this life isn't it. This isn't the end for us. In a lot of ways, it's just the beginning for us. But we're here. And I believe that God has placed us here strategically. In fact, I believe, and I pray this, and I believe that every time we have a service, there's people that I, when I look out, I don't recognize you. Maybe it's your first time here. Maybe you've been here a couple of times. Maybe you haven't been here in a long time. I personally believe that it's not by chance that you're here this morning. I believe that there's some of you watching online. I want to speak to you for a moment. I believe that it's not by chance that you're watching this. Maybe you're not even going to watch it live. You might be watching this two, three days later on, on the message recording. And I believe that God will use it to speak to you, to stir something in you. We, as the church, we have this hope. And that is the theme that God gave me this year. And I believe that he called me on this Vision Sunday 2020 to remind you that in the middle of all this, that we have this hope. And so you might be wondering, well, why? Why do we take a whole service and dedicate it to uh, the vision and mission of this church? I'll tell you why. The Bible's pretty clear. It says, without vision, people perish. And what, let me, when we just hear that, you have to understand what that verse really means. That word vision actually means, when you look at the original language in Hebrew, it means a prophetic revelation. Prophetic speaks into the now and the future. There is a vision for your life. I'm going to speak to some of you personally to actually felt like oftentimes on Vision Sunday, and for those of you who have been a part of Hope Church and have been a part of Vision Sunday before, this is going to be a little bit different. Um, year. I felt like God wanted me to not just speak about the vision of our church, but God wanted me to speak personally to you this year about the vision for your life, personally, that God has for you and for your life. Because I believe many people are hurting right now. They've lost hope. They're discouraged. Uh, they're in despair. And 
and they're realizing that they put their hope in wrong places. And so I want to speak to you personally, but that word vision is prophetic revelation. It's not something that you can easily see oftentimes for your life. It's actually revelation. The nature of revelation is that um, when you study theology, the word revelation means to uncover something that is covered. In other words, it's not something that you can readily see or that's easily seeable without the very Spirit of God opening your eyes for Him to unveil something for your life and to give you a vision for your life that's so much greater, so much bigger than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. And today, God gave me a mandate. And that mandate was to stir up in you and to stir up in me and to remind us of that prophetic revelation, that vision that he has for us. Because the other part of that verse says, without vision, people perish. And you might think, what does that mean? I'm going to perish? I'm going to die if I don't have vision? No, you may not die physically, but you might be dying spiritually. And the reason you might be dying spiritually is because that word, the bigger picture of that word means to cast off restraint. So here's what happens. When God gives you a vision for your life, a prophetic revelation of what he has for you now and what he has for your future, it becomes a pathway for you to follow. And it reminds me of a road with guardrails. Guardrails keep you on track. Guardrails keep you from going off the road and getting into an accident and wrecking your life. When you have vision from God, it becomes a road that now, instead of casting off restraint, instead of removing the guardrails, that's what that, that's what that is a picture of. When you don't have vision for your life, you're driving all over the place and you're bumping into this, running into that, wrecking your life, going down wrong roads. And too many people, too many Christians are frustrated and they don't understand why. And it's because you, woo, hallelujah, it's a party now. I preached my computer down. <laughs> you know, it does have an a apple with a bite out of it. So, just saying. <laughs> Too many people don't have a clear vision for their life, and it's ruining their life. And honestly, I think it's wasting their life. And I don't want you to waste a moment of your life. I think one of the things that has become apparent during the season is exactly how fleeting life can be. The Bible describes it like a vapor. It's here and gone, just like that. It can be taken just like that. And I can tell you as somebody who's actually had this virus, recovered from it, one of the greatest things I believe that has plagued our nation and our world is not just, although it has, the physical aspect of this virus, but the emotional aspect of this virus. You don't hear many people talking about that. But there is a reality that this virus has um, really plagued people with fear, with anxiety, with discouragement, with despair, with actually, there's a word called foreboding, which is that something bad is gonna happen to me, and that's exactly, and fear is like a gateway drug. It opens you up and me up to other not, not good things that keep us and can hold us back and keep us in bondage. And all those things prevent us from seeing the vision God has for us. So I'm going to remind you of the mission and vision that God has. And then we're going to look at a passage of scripture. And I'm going to share with you some things that, that God showed me through that passage of scripture as it pertains to the vision of this church. Um, before I do that, can I pray? Are you all doing good? 
I want to pray. Also, today, um, many of you participated. Last week, we had a, our first One Nation prayer event, and we had pastors and churches representing churches in this valley praying into that, praying for our nation. I've really had a burden as a local pastor, and really even trying to find that balance between uh, being a spiritual leader and how do I walk that out in the context of everything that's happening in our world in politics right now. And um, I've really been wrestling with that, and, and I'm talking to God about that. He's talking to me. But I know this. I know that one thing that God has called me to do as a leader of his church in a local community is to rally people to pray for our nation and to remind us. And by the way, um, if you have not voted, I do want to encourage you that you have been given a God-given right to vote, and you need to exercise that God-given right. And typically, I've shied away from endorsing candidates and getting into politics from the pulpit, but I don't know. There may become a day, I honestly admit to you, there may come a day where we may have to do that because the sides are, are just getting so divisive and so different in their ideology of government and the, the, where they want to take this nation. But I will tell you this as I encourage you to vote. I would say that regardless of the person, whether you like them personally or not, I have my own thoughts and opinions about that um, as well. But whether you, how you feel about them personally, as a person, um, you need to vote on biblical values. Look at the candidates who align most, most, I say, because they may not align with all biblical values, and I think that can throw us off sometimes. But I would say, look at what is most important. What does God value the most? And then look at the values of each candidate and see which one aligns more with the heart and the values of God and vote for that candidate. That's how I approach it. I honestly don't care if they're Republican, Democrat, I want to know, and there, there can be differences because parties can align with different values. So I'm not saying that, but, but I want to hear what the person is for. I want to know what they value, what the, because what they value is what they're going to uphold in government, how they're going to lead, uh, laws they're going to pass, and things they're going to put into office that are going to affect us as a nation and ultimately lead us in a direction. And so we need to, we need to take this seriously, and we need to pray. So all that to say, can we take a moment to pray for our nation? Thank you. Father God, we thank you for this great nation. God, I am proud to be an American. I am thankful to be an American. I'm thankful for this country. God, I'm not giving up hope for this country. And even though we're going through some dark and challenging times, God, I believe that you are still in control. You are sovereign. You have a plan and purpose for this nation. You've always used this nation as a beacon of hope for the world. God, you have been the foundation for which this country, this, uh, our Constitution was based on. And we just declare over our nation right now that we are still a one nation under God, indivisible, that is for liberty and justice for all people. And God, I pray that you would help us as we vote, cast our vote in this nation. God, I pray for the upcoming election. I pray that you would place in office the man that you have for the job. And God, I pray no matter the outcome that we would remember that we are called to love people, to be a beacon of hope, of light, and of love. I pray that we would be agents of peace in the world right now and that the world would start looking to the church instead of away from the church. 
for the answers. And now I pray, God, as we, um, as we unpack your word, God, that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I love this day. It's kind of one of those days where I get to throw some notes away a little bit and really just share my heart with you. And um, normally I would preach to you about some of the different things that, um, can you hand me that right there? Yeah. When you came in, you probably received one of these. And in this, really, every year I do a little message to the church in here. This is our our 2021 vision uh, booklet. And with our theme, we have this hope from this year. We give you a financial report in here on the church. We're a church that believes in disclosing our finances. We have accountability there. Um, I write a letter to you, the church, every year about what God has done in the previous year and what I believe God is doing. We share, again, our four vision statements and our mission statement. Our mission, mission is to see lives renewed through the hope that we have in Jesus. To see lives renewed through the hope that we have in Jesus. That's why we exist. That's why we do this. Everything we do is to help people to see their lives changed by, because of that hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And then our vision for our church is to, number one, know God. Number two, to find freedom. And those two are very connected, as we're going to see in a minute, to discover purpose and to make a difference. To know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and to make a difference. And not just any difference, to make an eternal difference. And you'll see on here, um, I have listed some things that are kind of some 2021 goals or objectives for our church. I want to kind of share those very briefly with you because there is a message I believe that God wants me to speak to you. The first thing is um, about a little over a year and a half ago, we were led by God to start a satellite campus in Eureka. And I love what God has done and what what he's doing in Eureka. I have a real burden for that city and for that valley. And I believe it's a God burden. I don't believe it's something we we didn't just wake up one day and say, hey, let's go to Eureka. Let's start a church there. No. In fact, I drug my feet on it for about a year. But it was our first exploration into that arena of a satellite church. And quite honestly, if I'm going to be very honest with you, as I always am, as a leader, um, I think it's important that sometimes we own our mistakes and we own when we haven't made the best decisions and Honestly, we've struggled with that campus. If I, if I could have done things over, there's definitely slight decisions that I would make over and differently. Nothing bad or immoral. I'm not suggesting that. But just leadership decisions. Um, the coronavirus really hit our church hard up there. Coming back off of lockdown, uh, we struggled to regain momentum in the church, and we've struggled ever since. We had some leaders that were really leading the church up there that kind of got burnt out and um, have taken a break from the church, have not come back to the church. Um, Some people, I'm not sure if it's fear of the virus or whatever, haven't returned from the church, and so it struggled. So there's some things that we felt that if the church is going to make it there, and we believe it can, we want it to, um, we need to make some investment in that church. And one of the things we want to do is we know that we need to hire a local campus pastor. We need somebody boots on the ground there that's going to have a heart for that city that lives in the community that can be the campus pastor there. Now Pete and Rebecca Unger, our campus coordinators, they've done a wonderful job. But they have a family here in Kalispell, and they're not in the community there all the time. 
and they've done really well. But in order for that church to grow and to be healthy, we feel we need somebody there. So we need to make an investment there. We also need to hire a, um, a worship leader that is there um, in the community as well um, that can be, help our worship grow and build the worship team there, build the worship culture there. So that's one thing. Um, the rest of these, I'm going to kind of talk about um, one last thing I will talk about, and then the rest of these I'm going to talk about in, in the message. Um, and it's, it'll be brief. But that is that last year, as, as I mentioned already, we felt a stirring that God, I want to be where people are. I want to be in a community where people have to go around our church to get around it, where they cannot miss Hope Church Number one, not just because of where our facility is located, but because we get integrated into that very community. Uh, you know me by now, for those of you who have been here. My heart is that we would not be a church limited by four walls. And I believe that this season more than ever has shown us that we can't afford to be limited by this location. We can't afford to be limited by the four walls of the church. We have to be a church that lives mission Deo, that we live every day with the mission of God, that it burns within us, and we take it out to a lost world that is looking and searching for hope. And we have that hope. But I, my, my heart is just stirred that we would relocate to some place that is more centrally located, that the church is in a community, that we can be a, um, a light in the, a resource in the community. We are doing some of these things. Don't, don't get me wrong. We are doing some of those things right now. But there's just something about being in a community, being surrounded by neighborhoods and, and people where people are doing life. When I was praying about this, I kept hearing, be in the middle of the intersection of where people do life. We want to be in that intersection. So... Um, we're looking to raise money and put aside about $250,000 so that whenever and if God tells us this is the place, now is the time, and where is the place, that we'll be in a position to do that. Otherwise, uh, there isn't a big push here for me to do this. I am comfortable with where God has us, and I'm comfortable waiting on Him in His perfect timing, in His perfect place. But I do feel a sense of urgency that we need to be prepared. We need to be ready. So that's all I'm going to say about that. You can read this in here because I really feel like, man, I've got about 10 to 12 minutes left and I, I really got to share this scripture, passage of scripture with you out of Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. If you have your Bibles, turn with it. This is the passage of scripture that God just put on my heart. I'm going to read it to you. It says this. Now, let me set this up. This, is, this passage is called On the Road to Emmaus. Now, this road was a road that was taking two disciples that had been following Jesus. This is the third day. This day was the day that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. Um, a couple of Marys went to the tomb. Jesus wasn't there. An angel said to Mary, he's no longer here. He's risen. Mary goes back, tells the disciples, they don't believe him. They don't believe it. So they stay discouraged. They stay in a place of despair. A couple of them ran to the tomb. Peter and John ran to the tomb. While this is all happening, two of the disciples, who are unnamed, actually we know one of their names, we don't even know the other names, they're moving away from the place of worship. Let me put it to you in modern day terms. They're moving away from the church. Why? Because they're in despair. They're disillusioned. So this is where we pick up the story. It says this. Now that same day, I'm getting a little feedback. I don't know if you guys are hearing that or not. 
if you guys can work on that. Thank you so much. Russell, you're awesome. Now the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, the place of worship. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. And now here I've underlined this in my Bible, um, verse 16. But they were kept from recognizing him. And when he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces, look at this, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? Don't you just love Jesus? He never asks a question that he doesn't already know the answer to, but he always asks a question because he wants to know where you're at. Where's your perspective? So in the middle of all this, all the craziness that is going on, I think God, one of the things that he's challenging us is where's your perspective? How are you seeing things right now? What's in your heart? How do you see it? And he goes on to say, and then they're like, man, haven't you been around? Uh, don't you know what's been happening? And Jesus asked them, what things? <laughs> Jesus, what a joker. And he goes on to say, about Jesus of Nazareth, don't you know these things? Come on. He says, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and the rule, our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. And look at this. Significant statement. But we hoped. But we hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem us. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. And he goes on to say this. In addition, some of our women, they went to the tomb early, um, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said to them, he's alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, how foolish are you? You slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things? then entering into his glory. And he began teaching, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on, I love this, as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day's almost over, so he went in to stay with them. So when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he, um, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And look it. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Then they asked each other, one of my favorite phrases, verses in the whole Bible, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, the place of worship. And they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and he's appeared to Simon. Then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus recognized them by when he broke the bread. When he broke the bread. 
I love this story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And as I was asking the Lord, what do you want me to share? How do you want me to kind of bring together the vision of our church and actually tie into where people are at and where they're at in their personal lives and where's their vision for it? When I looked at this, I thought it was interesting, first of all, that these two, there was two, two men, two men that were walking and they were moving away from the church. Now, if you look at statistics right now, people are moving away from the church. In fact, four out of 10 people that were attending church since they were shut in are not attending church now. Moreover, young people, young adults, high school age, are moving more and more away from faith. That's why one of the things that we're going to continue to do as a church in 2021 is we're going to invest in our youth, our kids' ministry, our young adult ministry. Why? Because we are in danger of losing a generation. And when you lose a generation, you lose a nation. I wonder how many of the things that we're seeing in our nation right now are a direct result of the church is not investing and going after. Listen, I believe more than ever that right now the church needs spiritual mothers and fathers to come around, spiritual sons and daughters, and to raise up spiritual sons and daughters in the house of God. And I wonder if everything that we're seeing in our world right now isn't a direct result of the church being asleep at the wheel. That we're letting our culture and we're letting the culture affect our children and we're letting affect us more than we are affecting and changing and transforming our culture. And yet, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. And what is the world looking for more than anything right now? They're looking for hope. These two men were discouraged and they couldn't see. They lost sight of who Jesus was. Young people are losing sight of the reality of who Jesus, not just young people, many people, some of you, you've lost sight of who Jesus was. Look at it was, the Bible says that when they, they recognized them, when he broke the bread, they remembered. Now, we know from a later instance that there were still nail scars in Jesus' hand. The wounds were there. The wound was still in his side. So when he broke the bread, most scholars believe that it was in the breaking of bread when his hands opened up that they saw the nail-scarred marks on his hand and their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus for who he was. I believe too many Christians have forgotten what Jesus has done for us and because of that, we have forgotten that we are called, mandated, commissioned by Jesus to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and, and the Holy Spirit. We need all three. And the church has moved away from the third one, and we've left out the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And in doing so, we've left out the very power that God enabled the church to do what the church has called to do by him and commissioned to do. It's the grace that we need. But the modern-day American church has gotten away from it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's weird. We're not going to talk about that because we're afraid you're going to get offended and leave the church. Well, maybe we need to stop being so worried about offending people and start being worried about offending God. And start worrying about, stop grieving the Holy Spirit from doing what He wants to do and instead creating a church that we have in our own mind. 
I wonder if these two disciples, it says that they were kept from recognizing Jesus. You know that, that word kept in the original language, Greek, it, it, it meant they were hold, held back from, that they were gripped from, that there was a power that was keeping them from actually recognizing what God was doing, what God was speaking, how he was moving. Actually, let me give you even further um, and when I was studying this word, there was a picture associated with this word kept. You want to know what that picture is? It's like a man or a woman being positioned like this. That's, that's a posture of despair. That's a posture of, I've got my head down. I can't see anything. I, I am in, I, do you know that sometimes we can get so blinded by discouragement, by despair, by disillusion, so disillusioned that we miss what God is saying, what he's speaking, and what he's doing. And I believe one of the greatest weapons of the enemy that he's tried to do during this season is to get you distracted, get you in a place of discouragement, get you disillusioned with who God is, what the church is all about. Because I believe that maybe, just perhaps, we got so familiar with a way of doing church that we missed out on something new that God wants to do. We got so comfortable, we just wanted to get back to normal church again. Well, maybe God was trying to disrupt our normal church services, and he wants to usher in a new normal into the church, which I believe is getting back to the roots and the foundations of evangelism and discipleship. That's why as a church, come on, we've got to, we've got to recognize that this is wonderful, but it's not just for us. It's for we. There, there is a valley out here. Talk about finding freedom to know God. That they're being kept from knowing God because they don't see him. They don't recognize him. Why? Because they're so bound by methamphetamines, by a, a gambling addiction. I mean, it's crazy to me that over this valley, there's, there's actually, I believe personally, a spirit of suicide. Because if you look at statistically, there are more suicides per capita here. We are one of the leading states in the nation. We are one of the leading states in the nation in methamphetamine addiction. I just on the front page of the Daily Air like the other day is, uh, police say that crime is up and homelessness is up and rampant. Listen, there are, there are things that you've gotta believe that we are called for such a time as this church that we have this hope and that's great for us. We, can, we know we're going to heaven, we can enjoy doing this together, but unless we get the burden of Jesus, like he stood over Jerusalem and he wept because he wept because he said they're, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're wandering around, they're doing, they're crouched up like that and they don't see Jesus, even though he might be right in front of them, he, you might be right in front of them. And they don't even recognize the Christ in you, which the Bible calls the hope of glory. Christ in you. We have this hope. The world is looking for hope and it's looking for answers and now's our time. It says they were kept from recognizing him. See, see, knowing God and finding freedom, they go together. I, I realize this, that you have to have one in order to, to know the other because the Bible says that the enemy has blinded the eyes of unbelievers. So they don't see Jesus. All they see is their circumstances and we could fall into this trap too if we're not careful. And it's gonna take the Spirit of God 
for that prophetic revelation to remove that veil for them to actually know God. So many people say, no, I don't know God. I read the Bible. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't go to church. Uh, I go to church and it doesn't mean anything to me. I don't, I don't know why people do that to me. It's a waste of time. It's because you're bound up and in, in, you're, you're not free. You're blinded. And we need to recognize. That word recognize in the Greek is the word to know. It means that they would recognize to actually know God. I find it so interesting that these two disciples were around Jesus. They were around, let me put it in modern day term. They were around the church. They heard him preach all the time. And remember what Jesus said? He said, my sheep, they know my voice. They know me because they know my voice. They know when I'm speaking to them. But yet these two guys who had been around Jesus, they completely didn't recognize that Jesus was right there with them until broken for you until he walked with them I love the picture of this it's a beautiful picture of how we know God we progressively know God every day as we walk one step at a time with him into the vision to discover the purpose for which we're alive so that we can make a difference these two guys they'd given up on all that they were going back home forget it but something happened on the road away from the place of worship where Jesus showed up and starts sharing with them, no, there's actually purpose in my death. I know you thought I was gonna, come on, how many of you thought 2020 was gonna be way different than 2020? Maybe God needs sometimes to remove our familiar so that he can grow our faith bigger. I'm gonna say that again. Maybe sometime God needs to remove the familiar so that he can grow our faith bigger because we get so locked into what is familiar that we stop leaning into his still small voice. It says they recognize it. They said our hearts, didn't our hearts burn? One of the things that I think the Lord wants to do to restore to the church, and here's part of my vision for you, is you have to get a passion for the things of God. The church can live out principles, but principles without passion is dead. And too many churches are dead. They've got good principles, great teaching, right doctrine, but they're not doing anything about it. Not living it out. That's why we did this whole message series, Functional Faith, because for too many of us, there's this gap between what we know we should do, what we're called to do, and the reality of it working in our life. And I have a vision for a church that helps close that gap in your life. But you gotta be awakened to this vision. You gotta find freedom. Too many Christians are bound by sin. Jesus paid the price for us. He paid the price for freedom. It is for freedom that you've been set free. But yet too many believers are walking around bound by sin, bound by addiction, and they're not talking about it. We're keeping it quiet in the church because we're afraid, God forbid, somebody finds out. Somebody knows my weaknesses. Somebody knows my wounds. And yet, Bible says in James, this is why we believe so much in doing life together. I love that this is, that number one, Jesus came and walked beside them in their moment of despair. Number two, that Jesus came and walked alongside two people. Two people doing life together. That's a beautiful picture of the church. This is why you need the church. Too many people in the season question, do we even really need the church? We can watch church online. We can hear the podcast. We can hear amazing worship from all over the world, best worship leaders. Do we need the church? Do we? In fact, the New York Times, um, there was an article 
I'm almost done, I promise. In the Atlantic, um, no, in the, in the New York Times, there was an article that said, a Sunday without church in crisis, a nation asks, what is community? What is community? I think when we were locked up, man, I don't know about you, but I longed to be with you. I couldn't wait to gather together again. Why not to just do this thing called church, but because there's something about when you rub elbows as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, that we, we rub off on each other and the Christ in you encourages the Christ in me and we spur each other on to the good works that God has planned for us long ago. So my vision for our church is that we would have, we would be less dependent on Sunday services and more dependent on small groups. I have a vision for a church that more people are gathered in homes during the week than they're gathered here on Sunday mornings. And I mean that with all my heart. I could, I could care less about the attendance. I think that's one of the things that God was trying to release pastors from is being dependent upon butts and seats. How many people show up? Now, we don't even know. There might be a thousand people watching right now. I, I don't even know. I just trust God with it. I just do what I, he's called me to do, be faithful with that, and he's gonna, he's gonna bring the fruit if I'm faithful with what he's given me to do. But I think it, one of the funniest parts of this story is when Jesus pretended like he was walking by. Can I tell you that he had a plan? He planned all along to go inside with him. But can I tell you something? Sometimes he loves the pursuit of discovering the purpose for which he has for you and for me. It's part of the journey. So he doesn't, he doesn't just say, I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna sit down with you and I'm gonna tell you everything you need to know. He teases you a little bit, he gets your heart burning and then he starts to walk by and he wants to see if you'll pursue him. He wants to see if you'll say, no, 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 no. It's that they urged him, don't leave. Come on, you're all that we need, come in with me sit with me, talk with me. And what happened is that in doing that, we discover God's plan and purpose for our life. That's why we have Next Steps class here at Hope Church. And if you're new to the church, we would love. One of my passions is I wanna see you know God so that you could find freedom from what is holding you back. I believe the enemy, just like God has a plan for your life, the enemy has a plan for your life. He wants to, um, he wants to take the plan and purpose of God and he wants to pervert it. He wants to disfigure it in your life. And too many Christians are disfigured. In other words, God called you to do something. It says in Ephesians that he planned for us long ago to do the good works that he planned. And yet we're missing it. Why? Because too many of us were, were wounded, we're hurt, we're bogged down with sin. We're not free to be the people God made us to be. I want a church that is free to discover the purpose for which you're alive. Because when you do that, then you can make an eternal difference. Amen? Amen. I want to pray for you as we close. Can I do that? And I want to share to you, I pray for you every week when I preach. Sometimes God gives me something that I feel like is specific to people that are going to be in the room or maybe people that are watching. And God reminded me of Psalm 126.1. And I think this is a verse for some of you. In Psalm 126, 1, it's, it's actually a song. They call it the song of the ascents. Do you know how the, these two 
on the road to Emmaus, it was a seven mile journey away from Jerusalem, the place of worship. In Psalm 126.1, it's called the Song of the Ascent. And part of the reason they call it that is because when the priest would go up to worship, there were seven steps that they had to go up to the temple, to the place of worship. And they had been in captivity for years in Babylon. And now this song or psalm was written as they were going back to the place of worship, just like these two were going away from the place of worship in despair and God opened their eyes, they burned in their hearts. And now it says they got up immediately and they turned back and they started making the seven mile journey back to the place of worship. Can I tell you and read you this Psalm 126.1? It says this in the Amplified Version, when the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, that's Jerusalem, we were like those who dream. God told me to tell some of you that he was restoring some of the dreams that God put in your heart a long time ago and that there was gonna be people here that through this season, through 2020, what the enemy meant for evil, God is gonna turn around and he's gonna use it for good and God is stirring up dreams in his church. Come on, stand to your feet with me as we close. Come on, man, I feel it so strongly as I look out here, there's some of you right now that the Holy Spirit is rebirthing dreams inside your heart. Vision, some of you forgot about the things that God spoke to you. Some of you forgot about prophetic words dreams, visions that God's given you. Some of you, you've dismissed scriptures. Some of you need to go back in your Bible and you need to go back to verses that God highlighted to you or that you wrote down words that God spoke to you in a journal and God is going to stir up dreams. They were like those who dreamed again. The church needs to be like those who dreamed again. Come on, we're coming out of captivity. We're not stuck in coronavirus land. We're not stuck in 2020. 2020's got nothing on us. Why? Because we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. Sure and steady. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. And I want to pray for you real quick. Holy Spirit, I pray you come right now. Every single person here in this moment, let this be a breakthrough moment. I pray freedom over some of you that have been bound, discouraged, despaired, disillusioned. You've lost hope. You've lost vision. Today's the day. God sent you here and he mandated to me today to release you, release you from the captivity and to bring you back to the place where you were once like those who dreamed. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.